All right. And it's time. And we're back for another week. And uh, I'll get start off with a little bit of history here. First, uh, we got some film and TV history. And uh, we got Frank Sinatra made his singing debut on this day in Indianapolis in 1940. And it was, I, I never heard of the guy, but it was with some orchestra here. And, uh, or at least they were traveling. And I think they stopped here. And that was, that was the first time he made a singing debut. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another random news uh, or item uh, first presidential news conference on network television um, with President Eisenhower happened on this day in 1955 on ABC and uh, I put that because I think we just we think of those as just kind of like second nature now like right. the president just cuts in while you're watching basketball or whatever you're doing so um for that to have been, it was probably a huge event when that happened. So that's that's a little crazy to start about, think about. And then um, RuPaul's Drag Race started on this day in 2009. And I know a lot of people are fans of that. So there's that. Um, music news. And this is a, this is, I, I think it was a weird one to put, but it's kind of, it's kind of huge. But R. Kelly was finally arrested for his long list of crimes that he committed throughout the years of his career so and that happened in 2019 so on this day that's kind of because i think the the documentary came last year right yes yeah surviving r kelly last year yeah so yeah and we're still waiting for the trial but hopefully we get there right 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 so yeah that's that One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. Welcome to another edition, and thank you for pressing play for another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Uh, tonight, we'll be discussing our time at Sundance Film Festival virtually. So before we get into all of that, film cinematic goodness we have a few segments to get into so let's jump right into our first segment uh we've got headlines here a lot is happening um yeah. so let's try to weave through all these stories um first up netflix scored um allegedly their best streamed series in bridgerton um apparently it's the most streamed series ever but according to netflix you know if you watch uh a show for at least five minutes they count that as a stream so it's, it's right, right. Little, the facts are a little cloudy on that but apparently bridgerton is their most streamed series ever right um next we had some little issues at cbs as they have two executives on leave that are accused of sexist and racist conduct um and oh. this this came after um the company met with the national association of black journalists um, to discuss, wow. you know, work, uh, um, workplace um, racism and toxicity. So right. apparently, um, these two male executives at local TV, CBS TV stations in the Los Angeles area, have been put on leave for some very uh, egregious, egregious um, accusations. Right. So we we'll have to see where that goes. But the LA Times reported um, that they were being um, toxic to not only um, 
workers of color, but women as well. Oh, all right. Over in streaming news, HBO Max has uh, first announced that they're courting an animated Game of Thrones series. So people who have yet to um, get the nasty taste of that finale out of their mouth mm -hmm. look forward to not only a prequel series and other developments, but a possible animated series in the Games of Thrones world. I'm just, all right, and so just so I know correctly, HBO Max is also doing a Harry Potter series, right? Correct. Okay, so they just, they're all up in the fantasy worlds, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that's supposed to be live action. So Okay. Huh. Um, in addition, Zack Snyder's Justice League Snyder Cut was announced to launch March 18th. And yes. I'm guessing we've gotten a few images so far of the um, title cards. There may be a new trailer coming soon. But that will be a four-hour film being able to stream on the Warner Media platform. Okay. Um, in some separate news that just uh, launched yesterday, actress Evan, Evan Rachel Wood of Westworld fame um, joined other women accusing her former fiance, Marilyn Manson, of abuse. Um, she specifically said that he sort of targeted her, groomed her at mm -hmm. a young age. And as you all know, Marilyn Manson as a uh, music performer, actor, and uh, left and right, he's being cut from projects. I guess he was supposed to star on Stars American Gods. He's been removed from that. CAA has removed him as a client. Um, I believe his label dropped him as well. So Yeah. And and what's crazy about this is that these things were were known. I think a lot of people kind of knew that, you know, he how do I say this? I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of his. I've listened to his songs, but he there wasn't a difference between Marilyn Manson, who we saw, and Brian, which I think is his actual name, like who he was. Like he was, yeah, there was no separation. He was this bad person that he portrayed. Yeah, so yeah. Um, as the days go by, we'll get more information on that. But um, I'm, I'm interested to see if Rose McCown comes forward, given that she's been very involved in the Me Too movement and they were once an item as well so right and i think she came out in support of evan rachel wood i, I think i saw something about that okay yeah. and, and of course manson has denied um the accusations he, he released a statement as right, well right. so um and some somber news before we get into the movie news we lost um some big actors mm -hmm. uh this past week first last week we lost um the legend cicely tyson Right. Um, she just released her memoir a week from today, <clears throat> last Tuesday, and by the weekend we knew we got news that the 96-year-old had passed. Right. Um, but she lived a great life, a wonderful career that didn't start until 30 years old. Right. Um, and we we just have to speak truth and power to such a, a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, then today, actor Hall Holbrook, who was best known for his portrayal of Mark Twain, passed away. He was in his 90s as well, I believe. Yeah, he was around the same age, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember him most from Designing Women as um, Dixie Carter's husband on that, on that show. And they were husband and wife, so she passed um, a while back. But 
yeah, RIP to him. And then in tragic news, um, we got got the news that Save Saved by the Bell star Dustin Diamond yeah. passed away at 44. I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently it had cancer. So Yeah, we the he had just announced a cancer diagnosis about a few weeks ago. Right. Um, stage four lung cancer and sadly he did not make it and i believe uh the rebooted series was planning to have him make a cameo next season sort of as a way to sort of repair those uh burn bridges between him and the cast throughout the yeah so. and it, it's interesting you say that because when he passed i was i was like oh wow you know that's sad but i couldn't put my finger on what had happened between them and I, I just remember that, you know, he had like a little phase where he was like on, you know, TMZ and stuff. And it's just kind of. Yeah, he, he always sort of alluded to his treatment on the set, say by the bell, being bullied somewhat. And then that sort of as they grew older, I guess he had some some resentment against the actors and it wasn't pretty. Right. But, um, yeah, it's and, to hear that. Yeah. And to, unfortunately, we have one more death to add in that because she died the day after, but Cloris Leachman. Yes. Yeah. She died last Wednesday. So the day after we, we, you know, spoke. So, yeah. And she was, ooh, she was in her 90s too. I think 95, I want to say. She was up there. there. Yeah. Another legend of comedic yes. acting, dramatic acting, Emmy winning actress. Yes. Um, Hilarious. Hilarious, just just a one of a kind individual. Yeah. So RIP to all all of those fallen right. um, fallen legends. All right, all right. Uh, on to movie news, and the movie news is not exciting this week because everything I look for, everything is they're just reviews from Sundance. I mean, like you yeah. can scroll <laughs> the first four pages and it's all Sundance. So there's there's not too much, but there were some things, and one of those was that. Um, uh, Denzel's new film, Denzel Washington Stars in Little Things, and it, it took the lead at the box office despite, um, and, you know, its HBO Max debut. And, uh, oh my God, it, it, it brought in 4.8 million, which, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but in the climate that we're in right now, you, I guess you take what you can get. So, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, that is that. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, Army Hammer has been replaced for the upcoming JLo. I think it, I don't know if JLo is filming this or is directing it rather, or if she's, I know she's a part of it, but, um, uh, the, the, the movie Shotgun Wedding, he's been replaced by Josh Dumal after the, uh, abuse allegations and all the cannibalistic stuff that came out, that crazy kind of whirlwind thing that happened. So it's finally so been... Odd. Yeah, it, it was a lot and it was confusing. Um, so, yeah. And lastly, back to Sundance. Um, well, at least from what I've heard, the first film from Sundance has been bought and it's CODA. And CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And um, it was bought by Apple Studios for $25 million. And I think I read somewhere where that was like a record. So Leave it. Yeah, I've heard but, I've heard uh, good things about the film. Yeah, and I couldn't get into the thing for it. It it the first showing was sold out, and then the second showing showed out sold out. But 
what I read even before this started was that it was a uh, kind of like a feel good story that would would probably be the one to be bought. So I, I don't think it surprised anyone that it went first. So, yeah. All righty, those are the headlines. We'll now transition to trailer things where uh, we've both seen a, a few trailers that we're um, anticipating for uh, TV projects. Right. Um, first up, I randomly fell upon the trailer for The Nevers. I remember reading about this because Josh Whedon was um, behind the, I guess, uh, directing a show running the series. I think he's since departed and been replaced. Um, yeah. But the show looks to be um, a sci-fi thriller set in England, possibly, where um, it looks like a group of women may be possessors of some type of powers. And yeah, I, I'm. Like, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying that's what I drew, draw from the trailer. Um, like people afflicted with powers are somehow bad or whatever, and like an illusion right. of, you know, feminism and power, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it looked pretty interesting. That comes to HBO Max sometime in April. Definitely been looking out for that one, yeah. Because I, I didn't know anything about it until you sent me the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember seeing headlines, but I had no idea where they were in production or, or anything like yeah. that. So it's coming pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Um, so I have two here. Uh, the first one is on Netflix. And um, as much as I, I talk about how much I think true crime is, um, there's too much of it. I'm, I know I'm going to watch this. This one is called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And the Cecil Hotel is a hotel in, ooh, I want to get this right. I believe it's Los Angeles. But um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is Los Angeles. And uh, uh, well, this vanishing is about um, a, a young woman named Elisa Lam, Lam, and it's very strange, super bizarre. And so this kind of tracks this thing and talks about it. And they keep talking about this thing, this uh, her her vanishing. And uh, and this was in 2003 when she did that, when she vanished. But this just kind of tells more history about the hotel itself and who stayed there. And there were like mobsters and serial killers. So it should be interesting. Um, and then this one I'm very excited about. This one is called Clarice, and this is on CBS. And it is, the, I think the premise, the setup is that it's a year after um, everything that happened in The Silence of the Lambs. I think that's, have you seen the trailer? I did. Okay, yeah, I think that's how it is. All I know, I don't know the time frame, but I know it is a year after or at least it's after everything that happened in the Silas and the Lambs. And uh, it kind of follows Clarice and um, she kind of becomes, she keeps going on as a detective and working crimes. And um, I was just thinking like, if I had never watched Evil, I wouldn't give this a chance. Like if I heard CBS was doing this, I'd be like, ah, okay. But after seeing Evil, I'm like, okay, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I was surprised by the trailer as well because I didn't know what to expect, but the looks, it looks like they're going to go there with the material right. and just the, the atmosphere, the tone. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Right. It, it looks very um, Hannibal light, like definitely not as dark as Hannibal that we, you know, we watch, but like it should have some shocking moments. All 
righty. Um, we'll dive into streams of the week now. Um, <clears throat> as you had previously mentioned, the little things uh, led the box office this weekend, and I watched it on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. It was okay. Um, yeah. I, I guess I had high expectations just because of the cast. Yeah, um, yeah. But the acting was good. I just think that the story, as it went on, felt a little drawn out, and then the conclusion was a little flat for me. But uh, okay. it was it was a decent movie. Um, I I don't know. I was just expecting a little more action, but it's like a slow burn thriller, I guess you'd say. So um, that's with Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I finished Search Party season four. And I think they've been renewed for a fifth one because the way this ends, there's got to be some more. So I'm not sure when they'll tape it given COVID and whatnot. But um, Search Party, all four seasons are on HBO Max if you want to catch up and tune in. Great, great comedy. Yeah. All right. Um, I had another thing on here that I didn't get to, but um, I did watch. This is called The Long Song, and this was on PBS's um, Masterpiece. And Masterpiece shows, uh, oh God, like like period pieces and stuff. I'm I'm addicted to it. I need help. But um, this one is different because usually in Masterpiece, black people are very rare. They're like one character and then they disappear. But this is about um, the end of slavery and what comes after um, in Jamaica. Yeah, oh. it's really interesting. Right. So the black people are the leads and uh, oh, God, I had his name up. Uh, he, um, in, anyways, um, it focuses on that um, and just kind of the change in tone. Slavery ends the king has from England is like, okay, we can't do this anymore. It's done. And then it, it really is, it's what's come next. How do the slaves treat the people who were just owning them? And it has Haley Atwell. And I'm not sure of, I'm not seeing her in anything, the, the main character, but her name is Tamara Lawrence. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Mm. No. Sound familiar. Right. But it has a, well, he, he was in the first episode and he got killed, but um, the the Jordan Bolger guy from David Makes oh, Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that he's English. So. Right. 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 But no, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay. Awesome. That's, that is an interesting concept. Yeah. All right. Before we get into our Sundance session, we have no concessions. So what film are you recommending to us this week? Okay, I am recommending the um, film I'm No Longer Here. And this film follows, a, I think I've talked about before and since that I watched it, but this follows a young man who lives in Mexico in the slums of Monterey. And uh, he dances uh, cumbia or cumbia. I can't, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it's a dance and it's big in the neighborhood. And that's his focus. And he kind of gets involved with the wrong people. And um, witnesses like a, a gang shooting and so they have to get him out of Mexico and he ends up in New York and it just kind of follows his life as he meets people um, kind of finds himself a little bit and we follow him through that process and it's really good it's, it's really um, 
a decent film and, and it did really well at uh, festivals and everything. And once it hit Netflix, it, it had a really good reception. And that's where you can find it is on Netflix. All right, I'm no longer here on Netflix. We'll uh, have a quick break and we will return with our full recap of this year's virtual Sundance Film Festival. And now our feature presentation. Welcome back. And it's time for our feature presentation. Um, due to the COVID uh, pandemic of last year and this year, um, the normal Sundance Film Festival that uh, takes place in Park City, Utah, was, went virtual. Um, so people all across the country and possibly the world could tune in um, to the festival, to the films, different panels, other events via their computer or laptop or however else they access the site. Um, so the festival ran from January 28th through February 3rd, which is today. Um, and uh, what were your initial thoughts with the, just the setup and everything, being that this is our first site time there? All right. Um, as it's, when it started, it was confusing. Like I would go to the schedule and kind of see how the times were laid out and I was just kind of like, oh, this is, this is an overload. But um, as the weekend progressed, it got a little bit easier. I think we, I think we talked about it just personally, just to each other, not on the podcast, <laughs> but the website is, is confusing. There is a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. There is a lot going on on the website and you, you'd leave, you like, you'd log in and you'd like, okay, I want to see, you know, the stuff for today. So right. you go somewhere, but it's not where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh no, what's going on? And it's, it was just a little jarring, but once you understood, I guess, the format, it was just a lot. It was, it was just a lot, but right, absolutely. Um, you got used to, to how to navigate it and everything. Um, and it had a lot of content for you to yes. digest, whether it was a panel or the uh, indie shorts that mm -hmm. you can watch all day, um, the feature films, feature premieres, documentaries, um, just a whole lot of, of content to access. Um, and in person, I think you could strategize a little bit, a little better, but still it'd be a lot to, yeah. to venture to, to sort of get to in, in that yeah. short amount of time. But yeah, there, there's no way you'd get to see everything you wanted to see. Right. Right. And that sort of happens at all those type of festivals. So, Right. You have to go with your gut to catch the best stuff at the best time. Right. So first up, let's talk about what we did see. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. How many, uh, I guess, feature films did you get to see? Um, films excluding documentaries. Are you uh, documentaries? If I include documentaries, I've watched a total of nine so far. Okay, awesome. Yeah. It, it's been there's been some late nights or if I like wake up at two o'clock in the morning I'm like okay oh I guess we should explain that they had the 24-hour thing right right yeah so what they did is that if you weren't able to make the original screening then like a day or two days later at 10 a.m eastern time 
it was streaming for a full 24 hours. And so that was a lot easier than trying to catch the original screaming and possibly not getting into the screening, which happened once and I got a little upset. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how I caught most of these films. Like if I woke up early, I was like, okay, let me get this before I get the day started. So yeah. Right, right. And for me, working during the day, it really helped for me to go to the evening and sort of like catch wherever I could. Right. Um, even starting like at six o'clock or whatever, you could get like two yeah. then before you go to bed or take a right. nap and catch it later that evening. So it really worked out. Right. In the end. Um, so let's just, you said you had nine. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go first because I didn't see that many. But yeah. um, I'll go with um i'll just name them off and what they're the what they're generally about and how i like them yeah that's fine okay so this is i'm going to go in order of how i saw them so the first night i saw one for the road um this was directed by natawat punipiria i mean i may not be pronouncing that right but it is about two um friends from thailand who live in new york and they haven't seen each other in a while. And the one friend calls up his other friend um, to tell him that he is dying of leukemia and he wants to make amends with people from his past. And as they go on this trip back to their native Thailand, revisiting, um, really revisiting his exes and just strolling down memory lane, um, they pick up some, unfold some secrets that they didn't know about each other and it sort of tests their relationship. Um, it was really good. Um, the the use they use um, specifically music and uh, mixology of drinks um, oh. as part of the story. As um, one of the characters is a bartender, the other's father was a DJ. So music's come in and cues for certain scenes, um, and it, it really helped um, color the color the film. I thought the cinematography was great as well. It's a beautiful film to Ooh. watch at, to, to watch. Um, and then the two leads were really good as well. Um, Ice Natara and um, Danabop, I'm not gonna pronounce his name, but you can just look it up, one for the road. Okay. Um, uh, it was, it has a 3.5 rating on Letterboxd. So it was, it was pretty decent. I really enjoyed it. Um, the second film I saw, and I'm going to see again because <laughs> a late night showing, I fell asleep midway and woke up and missed some things. <laughs> so uh, this was on the count of three, and this was the directorial yes. debut of Jared Carmichael. Everyone knows from the Carmichael show, um, right. the actor comedian. Um, he plays Val, a guy who's sort of down on his luck, and he decides that this day he's going to take his life. So he goes and picks up his friend, Kevin, from a mental institute, breaks him out, and they decide, hey, you know, today's the last day of our life, let's do it. But before they do that, they go to sort of sell some scores and um, another sort of like buddy relationship between two men, which I really, really enjoy on screen. Um, They decide to sell some scores before um, taking taking their lives and through that journey, you kind of see the struggles they're going with, especially Kevin, as he has some trauma that he has not uh, yet recovered that was inflicted on him as a child. Um, it's a very dark comedy, but a yeah. very enlightening film as well. So I really enjoyed that. 
then I saw Fran Cran's uh, another directorial debut from uh, Fran Cran's called Mass. Um, this star Jason Isaacs, Ann Dow, Martha Plimpton, and Reed Burney. And basically, hmm. it's a story about two sets of parents who reunite after a tragedy took both of their children. Damn. And basically, um, the gist of it, one set of parents' son committed a mass shooting at their school, and the other oh, set goodness. of parents' child was a victim. So it tackles that very, very um, tense discussion of forgiveness after a tragedy like that, right. violence in America. It's a marvelous film. Um, and the acting is superb, very emotionally rotting, but it, it's a beautiful film. So that's Mass. Then I saw Rebecca Hall's Passing, um, which is based on the novella about two uh, high school friends, both African-American who are living on the opposite spectrums of the color line as they're able to pass for white women in yeah. 1920s New York. Uh, this stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega um, it's shot in black and white, which gives it a much more rich sort of um, like Renaissance look. Um, right. It definitely paints the story differently in that black and white. Um, and the performances are brilliant. Uh, just the, I never really studied, you know, the the practice of passing, I know it exists, but I've never really researched it like that. So to see it on screen um, and enacted in sort of the, the struggles and conflict you could sort of live with, living right, like right. that or knowing someone who lives like that, um, it was very interesting. And Rebecca Hall, the director, um, <clears throat> approached the project because her family's uh, ancestry, some of her grandparents, great-grandparents, wouldn't have called it passing, but they definitely were doing that. So oh, wow. has personal history with it. So it's a really good film. Also stars Andre Holland and he's great. He's always good. Everything. Yeah. Um, and two more here. <clears throat> this is the only film I did not like. <laughs> <laughs> um, this film's called First Date from Darren Knapp and Manuel Crosby. And it's about a black kid in California who's asked uh, this girl out. And the day of the date, he decides to buy a cheap car so he can go pick her up and, you know, impress her. And it just mm -hmm. so happens the car is linked to crooked cops, drug dealers, and whatnot. And hijinks ensues as he tries to go on this date in one day. Oh, God. I mean, they're going, I know what they're going for, sort of that sort of kooky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, slap comedy thing with like different characters connected to one thing, sort of like Rat Race or something like that. Right, right. But it's not that. It's not good. Uh, this is, doesn't hold your attention for the full 103 minutes. And by the third act, it turns into like, a violent gunfight like it, it was just doing too many things yeah and none of them strong enough so okay um, i will give them points for casting a black kid as the lead because we rarely see 
black people in those type of films. Right, right. And the last film I saw yesterday was Shocker King's Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. This was a, a surprise addition to the festival. Um, it wasn't originally set up to the premiere, but I think a week before the festival started, they added to their uh, repertoire. And this is the extraordinary, extraordinarily tragic um, story about the assassination of Chairman Fred Hampton of the Chicago of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party back in yeah. the late 60s. Um, you have Daniel Kaluuya, who is phenomenal as Fred Hampton. You have Lakeith Stanfield, who is troubling good as um, Bill O'Neill, who was the informant who orchestrated the uh, assassination through the FBI. Um, you have Dominique Fishback, who, again, is brilliant in everything. Yes, she's always good. Yeah, she plays Deborah Hunt, who was uh, Fred Hampton's um, girlfriend and widow. Um, and uh, she, uh, the real life Deborah Hunt and her son, Fred Hampton Jr., were involved in the film with Shaka King. So oh, wow. they definitely aim to get things accurate. Um, yeah. it's, it's a chilling film that I'm, everyone has to see, especially given our current political climate of what we went right. through the last four years and what we've been going through. Um, it's a, a brilliant piece of cinema. So those okay. were the films I saw at Sundance. All right. Well, you, uh, well, it does about seven, so you saw a good number. That was only five. Oh, it was five? God, I can't oh, count. Six. Okay. Six. Six. I can't yeah. count. All right, then. Um, hold on. I just had a list of them. I don't know where it went. Oh, God. Hold on a second here. Let me get it back. There we go. All right. Okay, so the things that I saw, I'll start off with the documentaries, and like you, I'll go in order. Um, and the first documentary I watched was The Most Beautiful Boy in the World. And this is a film about um, a man whose name is Bjorn Anderson. And uh, when he was 15, he was cast in a film called Death in Venice. And he was a young boy, obviously he's 15, and he's very handsome. And uh, th the title was something that the director actually said. And what this documentary does is follow how that title of being the most beautiful boy in the world messed with his life. So, you know, as he got older and he aged out of being a young 15 year old, he didn't, he obviously didn't look the same. He became a man, things changed. He, he moved to Paris and uh, he was from a Nordic country and uh, God, I, I wish I knew, but I think he's, I, I don't want to say he's Swedish. I won't guess, but um, he, uh, he, yeah, he was Swedish. Okay. But, um, but yeah, he, and his life just kind of went downhill. He, he still acted, he did different things, but, um, but that, that time in his life really messed him up. And when you start this documentary, he's in his apartment with like his girlfriend and he's on the verge of getting evicted. And, um, you know, they're going through his house and his bed sheets and all his stuff in his closet has been like eaten by bugs and stuff. And he's just, oh. he's just, yeah, it's really, it's really weird. He's just, he looks still put together, but 
he's just kind of stopped caring and his relationships have failed and it's, it's interesting. But then you also learn that um, he was kind of um, mistreated and even abused on the set of the film and just different things throughout his, his life. It's, it's really good. I, and I just randomly, it was one of the first things that they showed. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And um, yeah, this is by director, Christina Lindstrom. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I had it on my list, but I didn't get a chance to see it. Right, and I think that's why I saw that, and I was like, okay, well, I'll watch this, and so I did. And then the second documentary I watched, and this one kind of gave me chills. Um, this one was called In the Same Breath, and this was about um, the COVID-19 situation. And I was like, it's crazy that they already made it, but um, the um, director, her name is Nanfu Wang, she lives in the United States with her American husband, but she's from um, China. And uh, she was able to capture um, the start, like literally the beginning of. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was in China at the time this um, that the lockdown went in place and everything. So she had to send her husband and her her child back home so she could stay and take care of her family as this thing spread and you start to see how you, you see it from the Chinese viewpoint first and you know they've got a crazy propaganda machine and what they were putting out was just like you know you can't record in hospitals don't show the truth less than make the numbers lower than what they actually are um if you, you try to get this information out, we'll make you like disappear. And it was, it was very, she had to go to extreme lengths to get this thing shot. And it was sad and it was very harsh. And um, then in the kind of the second half, she left China in terms of the documentary and showed the rest of the world. And she came here and it's only been a year, but I've, I had forgotten the early parts of this pandemic and just how nonchalant we were, even Fauci was like, oh, you don't need a mask. That's overreacting. And then bam, you know, yeah. New York gets hit and everybody's dying. But um, but yeah, it was really good. And her, yeah, her name was Nan Nanfu Wang is her name. And she did One Child Nation. I'm not sure if you remember that. Oh, I've heard of it, yeah. Right, yeah, she did that as well. So um, yeah, that was really good. And then the first film I watched, um, Sundance had a thing called, I think it was called Midnight. And these were like, more horror films mm -hmm. and uh this one is called censor and this one was about a woman who worked as a film censor and what happens throughout this film is that uh as she's censoring the film she's starting to dig up memories of her past and her reality starts to mix with the films and you as a viewer get lost and it's a it's so confusing but it's it's really good and it has kind of like the like the 80s slasher film type vibes to it. It's real, really dark and um, and heavy. And and the director, I'm not sure if this is her first film, but um, she's, she's a young director. Her name is Prano Bailey Bond and she's Welsh. And uh, yeah, th this was this is really good. And um, it, it was kind of, it was short, but it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I really liked I like horror films that aren't just straight out gory. This one kind of messed with your mind a little bit. And so, yeah. 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 So that was good. And that was Censor. 
Um, after that, like you, I watched On the Count of Three. I caught that on the, the replay. And I, I did enjoy it. I thought the humor was funny. I thought, uh, oh, God, the, the humor was good. The, like you said, the male friendship was good. You don't see that. Unfortunately, that it had a bad end. But yeah. then um, she was, oh, why can't I think of her name? The comedian. I'm literally blanking. Yes, Tiffany had it. She was in it for the shortest bit. But when she was making fun of Jared Carmyle's character, I was dying. Yeah, she was really good in that in that yeah. bit she was in. Yeah. Right. But um, but yeah, no, it it was good. It was it was dark, it was heavy, but um no, it was it was a good film. And you know, he he was behind the Jared Carmichael show, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean um He's an, he's an incredible artist, like for yeah. real. And then between, he had like a documentary or something on HBO. I can't remember, but yeah. So I think he's found his uh, his calling. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I did, okay, this one really creeped me out. This one is called The Pink Cloud. And it is a Brazilian film by uh, a director named Louis Gervais, I know I just messed up her name, but she said she filmed this. I watched the Q&A. She filmed this and shot it, wrote it in 2019. This film is about a pink cloud that moves into a city, hovers over the city, and forces everybody into a lockdown. And yeah, it was just, it was so bizarre because she was talking about it. And obviously that's what we're living through, but you've watched this film and... um, and the people start off happy. They're like, oh, this is kind of funny. This is silly. It'll be over soon. And then bam, you're in there for like up to years. And, um, you know, th- this focus on a couple, two people, uh, Giovanna and Yago, I think are their name. They have a, a child and it's just kind of, you know, who are they? They, they really learn who they are and what their relationship means. And, um, how they're going to live now with this deadly cloud, but um, it, it was just so strange and surreal to be watching this film and to be living in this film at the same time. I was like, oh, this is nuts. But um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good as well. Um, and then, like you, I watched Passing, and I don't have much more to add to it. Just um, like you said, the performances were, were crazy, and uh, Rebecca Hall, that she extremely talented but um for me i think the standout was was ruth nega just she was man every time she was on the screen it was you couldn't pull your eyes off of her she was she was killing it Mm -hmm. she was very good um and and like you i had a film i didn't like and this one was called my bell my beauty and this was by director marion hill she's from new orleans and uh, this film was strange. It's about kind of like a triumvirate of people and somehow they're all linked romantically and one, there's a woman and a man who are married, um, Bertie and Fred. And then over time, Bertie's friend comes to visit. Uh, and yeah, it, it's strange. And I just, I just didn't like it. It was, it was a little slow too. And, um, but it, it was all right. It was, it, it's for somebody. It just, it wasn't for me. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then 
Okay, the last two here. This one, Together Together, was a comedy. It was with Ed Helms from uh, The Office, and this is directed by Nicole Beckwith. And um, this film, th this was interesting because it's a, I watched a little Q&A as well, and this was about, this is about um, surrogacy, but the difference is it's Ed Helm. There's no woman involved. I mean, he's oh. not carrying the baby, but he's the one that wants the baby. So he meets Anna, um, a young 26 year old, and it kind of follows this unlikely like platonic friendship between them and how that progresses. And um, as it progresses, she gets, you know, she kind of learns more about herself and where she wants to go. We learn about her past and, and she has had a, she's had a baby before that she gave away, she gave up for adoption. And so she's doing the surrogacy thing for money and just to try to get her life back on track. So it was pretty good. It, it's definitely something that I could see um, studios buying. Gotcha. Yeah, kind of like a little, uh, I don't know if you call rom-com, but yeah, it, it's good. I could see it being bought. And then the last thing I watched today, uh, and I watched this today, this one is called We're All Going to the World's Fair. And this was part of the next thing, like kind of up and coming directors, I think. And um, this one is about a girl a young a teenage girl here in the US and she um she gets involved in one of those like social media challenges. You know how like you have the challenges where people are like, oh you like, like they play the games. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah like Slender Man type thing. But then her reality starts meshing with what's fake and she meets another person on the other side. Uh a, a guy that's kind of on the game as well and um he's a grown man and, and it, it it could get a little weird there but the thing is it's all about like it's all about loneliness you see her and she's always alone she posts these videos and only like a dozen people are watching and she has no place to really have an outlet she's alone and this guy is married lives in a big house and he's alone as well and it's really interesting kind of strange but um kind of tackles how we use technology how we never really know who we're talking to and you know what people are going through so it was good and uh and yeah that was a that's a those were the nine things i watched okay awesome yeah. we both got some pretty good films in right yeah yeah that's pretty cool um did you get to see any shorts at all i i did not i just kind of focused on the films and the uh the talks i could get in okay yeah i was kind of I mean, I guess it makes sense, but like all the shorts were like grouped together in like different blocks. Right. So like, I wanted to see the affected, but it was in short program one. And that was like a grouping of like five films consecutively. Right. So I only saw a few here and there. Um, one I saw was called White Wedding, where a biracial daughter's mother um, books a band for her wedding. And it just happens to be her strange black dad's band, and oh, wow. sort of like that—that that tension, awkwardness—and they do have a father-daughter dance. But like, if he wasn't, if the band wasn't there, she was the only black person at her own wedding. So like, oh, wow, it was that. Um, I saw one called "The Way We Rise," I believe. It was about um, a Hawaiian poet who sort of um, was an activist for her native 
uh, Hawaiian land and sort of explored the issues they still go through, how they don't really accept being part of the United States. Don't, they don't accept themselves as being American right? and whatnot. That one was pretty good. I think I saw some other ones, but I wasn't really into them as much just just because I was trying to get to other right films. But those are the ones I really remember. Okay. And you said you got to see some talks. Yeah, I tried to watch a few, just kind of the Q and A's and the panels. Um, I saw the first one with uh, um, with Questlove, and that was unfortunately I didn't get to see his film because. When I went to the replay, it had been, it, it was, it said sold out too. I was like, come on, man. So I didn't get to see that. And that's the same thing that happened with mass. Cause I wanted to see that. I read that, that, that write up and I was like, oh, this is deep. Cause I wanted to find out what it was that they, what had happened. I didn't know if there had been like a, a fight or a killing or what had happened, but um, yeah, that, that was sold out as well. But, and yeah, he just kind of discussed the film and his film was the, oh, the, his film was about the festival that happened in Harlem at the same time that Woodstock was happening. I can't remember the name of this documentary, but um, but yeah, he just broke down how they found the archival footage and um, how they processed the uh, how they how they how they started the process of doing this, and it, it was really interesting. So, um, since I haven't seen it, I won't say much more, but uh, I would like to I would like to check that out, and then. Um, Robin Wright and Rebecca Hall talk. Now, Robin Wright had a film in this too, which I had the chance to watch. It's called Land, but mm-hmm. it really sounded a lot like the Nomad Land that's getting all the hype. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll just wait for Francis. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, since they both had films and both, I think, directed these films. That was kind of what they talked about in their process, and um, I don't, I, I don't know if you felt it too, but see, sitting across from a web, you know, like a Zoom type thing, it's more intimate than I imagine sitting in a theater and listening to somebody talk about this. You feel like you're in your living room and they're talking to you, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely, it, it gives it a different, definitely different feel. Like I'm, I know if I was there, you'd feel more. What's the word? Um, like literally, like audience, right, right. Panel, like very uh, segregated. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With the Zoom, it, it felt like you were all sort of like part of the same project, right. part of the same clan. Yeah. It was really cool. So yeah. overall, um, what were your thoughts, and would you attend this physically one day? Overall, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There. Um, Obviously, it ends tomorrow, and I think the final awards are happening right now. But um, yeah, I think the kind of the spirit of it and the vibe and is very cool. And uh, the films were good, and it, it's kind of it's fun. Not, I would say, like you feel like you're ahead of people. Like you know, people aren't going to see these films until years down the road if they get bought. I mean, um, Judas and the Black Messiah comes out next week, but I'll watch that tomorrow on the replay, but absolutely, I, I would go to Utah to see to do this. Um, I think that would be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I would go too. I've never been. Um, 
I just know it's cold and you have to bundle up and right and everything. But I think it'd be a great experience just to sort of be around filmmakers and right, right. Um, just to get that synergy of everyone anticipating the film, watching it together. Um, yeah, it'd be something something incredible. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, things get back to some type of normal next year where events and things come back into play. Right, exactly. Um, but until now, definitely be on the lookout and follow the website and just see their updates. And hopefully there's some other virtual festivals that happen throughout the year. It's interesting to say that I looked up Tribeca Film Festival in New York is another big one. And I don't think they'll have the same slate as films. I, I'm not sure how that works, but um, that is either the beginning of June or towards the end. I know it's in the month of June. And so I guess we'll look out for that one and see if they're doing it virtually see where we are in the world with this COVID stuff. So. Right, right. All righty, before we get out of here, where are you streaming for the weekend? All right, I got a little bit of list. Um, on Netflix, I'm watching Dig. That's with uh, Carrie Mulligan um, about her finding some archeological find while World War II is creeping up on her. So I'm gonna watch that. Um, HBO, uh, HBO Max, The Little Things with Denzel. Um, last night, the first part of the investigation on HBO about the journalist that was killed on the submarine, that came on. So I'm going to, I got that DVR set up. I'm going to watch that. And then um, also the first part of The Lady in the Dell. And that's about the woman who built this kind of three-wheel car and um, had an interesting backstory. Um, her story went deeper than just this car. So I'm going to try to check out all those this weekend. All righty. For me, um, I forgot it came on. So I'm going to try to watch uh, Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise on Netflix. Yeah. Um, the sort of animated uh, miniseries they have. Um, Wednesday, uh, Firefly Lane comes on Netflix. And this is sort of be, supposed to be like a sort of like a soap series of two best friends yeah um, starring katherine heigl and what is that one girl's name from scrubs oh the blonde one yeah yeah i don't know but i, I know i know when about. i see her but i just don't know her name right. i wish we right. did um they star as two best friends in their life throughout the year so it that might be something to tune into and then sunday because this is super bowl weekend lest oh, we forget God. Um, the Equalizer on CBS debuts after the Super Bowl, so I want to see how how this this show's uh, produced and how it pans out for Queen Latifah. Right. All right. Again, thank you for joining us for this edition of It's Streamable Life podcast. Uh, you can join us next week um, when we are discussing the Netflix film premiere of Sam Levinson's Malcolm and Marie, starring Zendaya and John David Washington. Yes. So until then, keep on streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. 
And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.